good to have the kids in the house. Hope you're happy to be here. Those coloring packs must be good. I wouldn't talk to me either if I was a small kid, stranger danger and all that. But it's good to be in church. We're, we're continuing this morning with our, our series, Fearless. Let me hear you say fearless. Maybe like you're not fearful, fearless. There we go. It's awesome. And this morning we are looking at the concept of fearless faith. And what does it look like to kind of live uh, faithful lives that are actually full of faith and not governed by fear. You know, last week we heard about some excellent fears. After Pastor Dean preached, I discovered I had some extra fears that I didn't actually know even existed uh, before I walked out of the building. So that was handy. But I thought this morning we all kind of have something that we're scared of. I, I, don't, I don't care if you say you have no fears, we'll be able to find one. One of my particular favorites, and those that know me well enough will know that one of my, my greatest fears in life is actually spiders. Uh, and, and, and not because they have eight legs and nothing should have eight legs, but because, is it eight they have or is it more? Yeah, eight, yeah. Well, they're like furry and stuff. They're gross. They're, not only are they gross, but you know, as a kid, I was actually bitten by a spider. So I think that's where it began. Uh, as a little kid, it kind of stayed with me. I, I don't know why, but it did. And uh, I can't stand the sight of a spider. Once there was a spider in my car and I didn't drive it for days. I actually got my wife to drive it around the block to, to see if it appeared again. She's not scared of spiders. So she's the spider killer in our family, which is good. I have other good qualities too, but she's the spider killer. <laughs> Uh, so I didn't tell her that until after we were married, but I hate spiders. They, they freak me out. And I remember uh, we came up here and we started working uh, up at Meroa for the, for the first time. We, we, we actually had located over at Compass. It was the building that was finished first, so it was safe for us. Apparently it was safe for us to work in. And uh, we were working over there. And, and I remember going to the bathroom uh, over there and, and on the way out, I, I, I wash my hands. I go to the hand dryer and I turn it on. And you know how do you turn a hand dryer? And you turn it on by what? Putting your hand underneath, right? Sensors, that kind of gear. And out comes a huntsman. <laughs> so I'm like, nah, I'm done with this. Let's call the builder. He needs to come, knock it over, start again. Clearly, this building is defective. I come out, Riley's like, are you okay, man? Like, you don't look so well. Do you need to go home? I'm like, S -s 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 spider. <laughs> I'm like, you need to go get it, Riley. You need to kill it. So he's like, righto. He takes his shoes off, goes in there. I'm like, did you get it? Can I, I, I need proof it's dead because I'm going to work up here. I can't, I can't have this as an office space here. He goes, I got some real bad news. I went to hit it and it ran back up into the hand dryer. And honestly, the other day I was on the way out. I'd put sunscreen on my our little boy. He goes to Compass and during the week. And so I put sunscreen on him so he doesn't get sunburned. I'm like, my hands. Now it's been, what, two years since I've probably even been in that bathroom. I walk in, I see the hand dryer, I was like, nah, see ya. I walked out and commenced my day with sunscreen everywhere. Didn't care, it's all over my laptop. Came in here, actually washed my hands in here. Didn't, still didn't use the hand dryer. Wiped them on my pants and got on with my day. And we laugh and, and you know, it's, it's funny, you know, don't laugh at my fear, it's real. Like, have you ever been in that moment, you see a spider on your windscreen? Yeah, it's no good, right? Like, leave the car on the side of the road, call the RAC, go home. Buy a new one, whatever it takes. But it is funny how fear like that can completely change our behavior. Like if there's a spider in my front door, like I'll go through the back door. Like I'm not taking my shoe off. I'm not going anywhere near it. Sometimes you hit them and they don't, they don't die. You spray them with something, they get more aggressive. Like you spray them and they come towards the spray. I'm like, what are you doing? I'm trying to kill you. Go that way. 
And then people are like, just throw it outside, it's only little. Like, it's going to grow. <laughs> and they're sneaky when they're small. But the fears in our lives, it's funny how they can take hold of us. Whether you're scared of heights, whether you're, 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 whatever it is. You know, I love people who are like scared of sharks so they don't ever swim in the ocean ever. You know, and you see that. And there's these fears that we can have in our lives and they alter our behavior, don't they? They can alter the decisions we make. They can alter the way we go about our life. They can alter the way we see the things that are right in front of us. And they can change our behavior. And the idea of what fear wants to do in our lives is it wants to minimize what we can do. And so today we're going to have a look at a story out of uh, Daniel chapter 3. Uh, and, and, you know, this is a, a time, and just to kind of summarize a little bit, it's, you know, the, the book of Daniel is the story of Jerusalem being taken by Babylon. Babylon becomes the, the power, you know, city, if you will. They, they take over Jerusalem. They take all the assets. They, they deplete them. And part of the, the assets, if you will, that they take is the smartest and the brightest of the leaders and the young men. And they want to assimilate them into to Babylonian culture. They change their name. They, the king does everything he can to, to kind of begin to go, these are the smartest, brightest minds, and I'm going to take them and I'm going to use them to kind of further our kingdom. I've already taken all their assets, but realizes there's great uh, assets in, in these people and in their lives. And so he begins to want to assimilate them. And he does that by kind of firstly going, I'm going to give you all the riches that you can have. I'm going to treat you uh, like royalty. We're going, to, we're going to give you new names. We're going to show you the best of our culture. And you imagine this would be a massive faith tester for these guys. You know, taken out of their home, taken out of their city, put in a new place, new things, new cultures, in this case kind of new gods and all these new things that are completely countercultural to their faith and what they believe in, which has been ruined kind of by the Babylonians at that time. And Nebuchadnezzar realizes that they're giving them, the, he's the king, giving them the very best of everything he can doesn't work, they're not interested in that, it doesn't, it doesn't shape their faith, and so he resorts to fear. So he resorts to going, you know what, instead of, instead of giving you everything and, and letting that work, this doesn't seem to work, so we're going to go kind of with fear. He's in a, in a position where he's fearfully living because he wants to rule everything, so his fear, he's, he's taken out on others, and so these guys are, are faced with incredible fear, and we're going we're gonna to pick up this, this story here, and it says this, it says, then a herald shouted, People of all races and nations and languages, listen to the king's command. When you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, the lyre, the harp, the pipes, and other musical instruments, bow to the ground and worship King Nebuchadnezzar, a gold statue. Anyone who refuses to obey will be immediately thrown into a burning furnace. So at the sound of the musical instruments, all the people, whatever their race, nation, or language, bow to the ground. And worship the gold statue that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. You see their face right now with this. And it says that people of all nations, races, didn't matter who they were, didn't matter what they believed in, didn't matter where they had come from. He wanted them to bow. And probably realizing in some of the experiences with, with these guys is they're not going to necessarily do that. So if you do not do this, we're going to throw you in the fire. So do it or basically die. And so he sets up this, this fear in their life, this, this encouragement to go, you know what, you're going to live the way I want you to live. Doesn't matter what you want, doesn't matter what your God says, doesn't matter what you believe, you're going to bow to this. And this sets up almost the prescription of what fear is for our lives. That we will do certain things, we will act in a certain way, we will, we will conduct ourselves in this way, that ultimately will always kind of lead to less, but because fear is what dominates. 
And you see it all the time. I'm not going to make this decision because it, it could go badly. I'm not going to have that conversation with someone because I'm scared of what they might say. I'm not going to let someone find out this about my life because they might make fun of me. They, all these different things in our lives. I'm not going to swim in the ocean because of sharks. I'm not going to do this because of heights. You know, I was at the, the football last night and the way that they kind of did this celebration of the Eagles flag is the, the mascot, I can't believe this, of the Eagles bungee jumped off the top of the stadium. I'm like, I'm, I'm out. There's my second fear, spiders and heights. And I'm like, that would immediately disqualify me from doing that. There's all these things that disqualify us. Fear wants to shrink our lives down. To go, no, you can't have all this. You can only have this. But what we need to realize is that when we have faith, it is the rival of fear. The cure to fear is faith. And if we implement faith into our lives, if we implement faith into the way we see things and the way we do things, you know what? Fear shrinks. Fear becomes smaller. Fear becomes less of a relevant part of our decision making in our life and no longer gets to govern the course of our life because faith does that. But make no mistake for these guys, it's not as simple as just going, well, yeah, I'm not going to be scared of the king, so I'll just do whatever I want because I have faith. There was a very large reality of fear in their world. See, they choose kind of not to bow at first. They go, you know what, we're not going to do this. I imagine probably there's a lot of people around, so you're kind of like, you know what, like just chilling in the background. Like, yeah, everyone's bowing to the statue, and you're kind of like, hopefully no one sees, you know. Maybe you run a little bit late. Oh, no, I was here before, you know, I, I, I bowed at the start, but oh, I was just tying my shoelace, you know. <laughs> but the problem is in the world they live in, there's snitches. Snitches are no good. And they go and they see these guys and they're probably jealous of the fact that they're outsiders, but they've been put at the top because of what God was doing through them and the character that they had. They've been promoted with the king. So the snitches come along. Hey, king, you know those boys that you love so much, the, the three? They, uh, they, didn't, they didn't bow. And so the king, angry, comes to them. And it says this in verse 13. It says, furious with rage. Nebuchadnezzar summoned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So these men were brought before the king, and Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the image of gold that I have set up? Doesn't give him time to answer, but says this. Now when you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, the lyre, the harp, the pipe, and all kinds of music, if you are ready to fall down and worship the image I made, very good. But if you do not worship it, you will be thrown immediately into a blazing furnace. Then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? The fear was very real. The reality of what would happen to them if they do not bow was very real. And it's easy to kind of start out in that place and go, this is a bit scary. Of the, if the king finds out that I don't bow, there'll be a consequence. Kind of if. They look and they go, there's this, there's this reality of fear and they see it and they go, oh, we can probably get around this for now. So let's just see how it kind of plays out. But then fear becomes that little more real. The king gathers them and he's not, he doesn't just summon them and go, hey, I need, I need. He's like furious with rage. Like kids, when you don't clean your room after about the 10th time you've been asked to and your parents summon you, you know something's going down. <laughs> Got to clean your room. But they're being summoned and the king says this, like, right now, if you just bow, very good. 
It actually uses the word. You can just bow now. I'll forget that you didn't do it. I'll forget that you ignored. The music's going to play. I'll stand here and watch you. And when the music plays, if you bow, very good. But if you don't, you will be immediately thrown into the burning furnace. This is the most powerful man in the world, the most powerful king. And he kind of looks and goes, bow, and we're all good here. You can go on your way. Don't, and that leads to death. Can you imagine being in that scenario? Can you imagine being there and, and staring down the reality of that fear, that moment? I think about what I would do, and I'd like to think that I wouldn't bow. I'd like to think that I'd be like, yeah, well, you know, burn us it up, you know. But the reality is, when fear really sets in, it can cause us to do the things that we don't want to do. It can cause us to look and go, what good am I if I die? What good will the rest of my life be right now if I die? This is the reality that they're faced with. I don't know what fear kind of looks like in your world. I don't know if there's ever been a time where, other than, you know, like a, a fear of spiders or something trivial like that, that there's been a moment where fear's kind of set in and it's altered the course of your life. I remember being uh, probably, oh, I reckon I was 19 years old. And what I discovered was that most of my friends were not living the kind of life that I was living. They didn't believe in God. They didn't have faith. I actually had less friends inside the church uh, than I did outside the church. And it was becoming a battle for my life to go, all these guys, it just seems sweet for them. It just seems easy. And I remember something going wrong and it was very trivial. I can't really remember what it was, but it was a big deal to a 19-year-old. I probably broke up with a girl or something and thought, you know, this is it for me. And I remember talking to one of my friends. I'm like, I'm just not going to church anymore. And he was one of the kind of friends that I didn't, he didn't go to church. He didn't believe in God. He's like, you're just going to pack it in. And I was like, yep, I'm done. Like, it's just too hard. I, and, and, I, and I used this word with him. I said, I just want to be like everyone else. I'm sick of kind of fighting for what I believe in. I, I just, just want to be like everyone else. It's just going to be easier. And I'll never forget this guy. He was a little bit, couple of years older than me. He turned around and he said, but you're not like everyone else. And I was like, yeah, okay, cool, thanks. Like, I'm trying to, I, I need some rapport here. And he goes, something goes wrong and you just want to go throw it all in. I think you just, he's like, I think it's just you're being a bit of a coward. And I was like, come on, man. Like, you don't even go to church. Don't, like, lay into me. Like, oh, you don't even believe in God. He goes, yeah, but I see the good that it does in your life. And he goes, if it's as real as you've been saying it is, you can't pack it all in over a, one bad thing. He gives me this good pep talk, and I was like, all right, well, then I'm going to start going to church. Do you want to come with me? He's like, nope. I was like, cool, all right. <laughs> He's like, you be you. I'll be me. I'm like, okay. And I think about that conversation I had with that guy and how different life might have looked like had I just kind of let fear roll out my decision making. Because it was easier around those guys just to be like everyone else. It was, it was hard to be different. It was hard to kind of fight to stand up for what you want when the majority of the crowd is going one way. And sometimes that meant not being able to do the things that everyone else did. It, it meant standing out. It meant sometimes some of the boys would like to kind of make some jokes about that kind of stuff. And I just got to a point where it felt too hard and it was easier to kind of go this way. And these guys are faced with a life or death situation where it's just easier if you just go with the crowd for a moment. In fact, if you just go with the crowd for a moment, you'll get to kind of live a few more years. Maybe there'll be some time to undo it. The, the faith that they had was met with a very real fear. But what I love about these boys is that their, they, the fear that they had may have been large, but their faith was greater. You know what? They made a decision to choose faith over fear. 
They had truly what they had is fearless faith. This is, this is their response. They replied, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. Verse 18, I love this. But even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue that you have set up. You know what they recognized? That God's power was greater than the power of man. That their God that they believed in, the God that they knew, the God that had led them through their life was greater than the power of any one man. Was greater than the power of any burning furnace. That was greater than anything else. They knew it, they trusted it, they had faith in it. But you know what their faith wasn't in? Their faith wasn't in the outcome. Their faith was in God. See, so often we, we want to live a, a faith that is outcome driven. The God, I'll believe if you. The God, I'll do this if this happens. The God, I know you can do great things and you can heal and you can move and you can do all these things in my life and I, and I, I, and I know that, but I'll, I'll, I'll do this if you do this for me. But the great thing about their faith, you know what they say is, even if he doesn't, it is not worth bowing to your gods. I would rather lose my life than lose my faith. And this is the, the thing. You look and go, it could have cost them their whole life. Not a lot of us are necessarily looking down the barrel of a, a loss of life because we were here this morning. That you could go to your workplace tomorrow and say, people say, how was your weekend? Yeah, I went to church. There's this weird guy talking. The worship was real nice and it was a good morning. Coffee was good. No one's going to go, well, if you do that again, you're going into the furnace. Like it's not a huge reality that we face of life or death every day. But you know what we do face every day is the reality of the life or death of our faith. That we can make decisions that they could have bowed and then continue to live. But they realized that their faith was worth more than bowing to any man. And you know what? We know that if you throw us in that furnace, God could and has the power to save us. He has more power than anybody else. But even if he doesn't, we would rather go to the furnace. We'd rather our greatest fears come true than to let that chip away at our faith. Their faith was not outcome driven. You know, Nebuchadnezzar said this, that evidently he believed that each person had his or her price, that none would eventually deny his commands. That he started offering these guys whatever they wanted, the best food, the best living, the best everything. And when that didn't work, he thought their price would be fear. That eventually I have the power to take away your life and you will do what I want. And that is what his power was ruled in. But what he is about to learn here is that not even that was enough for these guys to, to compromise their own faith. It was not outcome driven. You know, fear will cause us to think this, it'll... Fear will cause you to act and choose and make your decisions based on what might happen. Faith will guide you to live your life based on what you should do, based on who God is, not what might happen at the end of it. If we live with fear, we're always going to be worried about what the outcome is going to be. Our faith will be about what the outcome is going to be. If God does this, if he delivers first, then I will do this. So often faith is about going, I'm going to do this because I know and trust who God is. And even if it doesn't go my way, I trust God more than I trust any outcome. I know that he can deliver, but I'm going to trust him first. 
We're going to take a moment to, to watch a, a video. I found this video during the week. It's from some of the guys at, at Hillsong Church. They wrote uh, this great song that they've released called Another in the Fire, kind of fitting for this morning. And they wrote this, this song, and I was just watching the story behind it. I was really intrigued about kind of how they wrote it. And, and, you know, sometimes you hear these great songs like, how did you get here? And, and these two guys, uh, Joel and Chris, that, that wrote the song, start talking a little bit. It's a, a snapshot of this video. It actually goes for a fair bit longer. But it's a snapshot of the story of these guys and what was happening as they kind of wrote this song. And I thought it was so fitting for this morning to uh, have a look at this. So we're going to spend a few moments watching, watching this clip. I know the story, the old, the Bible story, but when that becomes real life, like, do I, what does that look like now? Like, what does it look like to be like, I'm not bowing to your idols, and if you throw me in the fire, it's okay, because um, God will rescue us, and even if he doesn't, we're not bowing anyway. Like, that's real life for everybody. As the song kind of developed, I think for both of us, personally, the song started kind of going from being a a cool title and a cool lyric to like something that I feel like we both really needed personally. When we were writing it in separate ways going through very real things, we're trying to both kind of encourage each other. <laughs> that's what we do, that's what fellowship is, that's what community is, that's what songs I think they should do is kind of their reminders, their confessions. So I'm not sure, I, I believe this, I believe it for the future, I believe it because I saw it in the past, but right now I think I believe it, I, I want to believe it. But when you say it, when you confess it and you remind your soul, it's amazing. Like that confession precedes belief, and it's in that sense. That's why I think it's really powerful. So when we finished the chorus and we were happy with the chorus, I wrote Joel and I was like, hey, like I think I just want to try the chorus in church and see what happens. For me, that was a pivotal moment because I was ready to walk away from the song because I was honestly getting to a point where I was like, I don't know if I believe what I'm writing so I don't know if I can write this song well the week before creative conference when we recorded the album um, I you know had to message Joel and and say hey you know um, our our boy he's like gotten his official autism di- diagnosis and um, and that that really sucked for me um, because I I kind of felt like I was doing everything I was supposed to be doing to like speak faith and the future and like kind of all the things that like we get told to do. And um and so I was pretty upset and um I didn't want to go to creative conference anymore. Part of one of the things that my son works through right now is is right now he doesn't speak yet. And I just kind of in that moment was like, all right, like, I'm going to get this room to sing for him. And um, I'm going to make the enemy regret his decision to try and throw this in my face. And so I was just like, I'm going to go so hard. Like, I'm just (laughs) like, I'm going to really, I'm going to try and just leave it all on on the platform. And, um, And so we did the song and... I feel like it was electric.
was such a special atmosphere that these guys had worked so hard to build. And I think like at the end of the day, um, maybe what this song has taught me and maybe what I hope that will teach other people is the in-between's okay. And it doesn't make, it doesn't affect true things being true. They're still true. They're now and not yet. They're here and yet to come. And that's okay. The key is that you're never alone in any of it. I hope that that's what this song does. I love that picture of true things are still true. That when we face the, the furnace, when we face the difficulty, true things are still true. God is still God. And the important thing we, we, we realize is that we're not alone. You know, this story kind of continues and what we see is that God, they, they are thrown into the furnace, like it actually happens. It's almost a little bit of that moment that he was talking about. They're in the in-between. All right, well, we've, we've, we've gone with God on this one and they're in the furnace and it's real, and Nebuchadnezzar grabs his attention. Uh, in verse 25, it says there's four men in the fire. But we only put three in. What's going on? That one looks like a God. And it's this picture of God uh, sending an angel, or, or you know, whether you, what you believe there, that there's this fourth person in there with them. You know, we, when we're in that in-between, that God is still with you. There's so often suffering comes into play, or the outcome doesn't look like it's gonna play out the way it does. The faith becomes heavily tested and God doesn't promise that that won't happen that it's all going to be easy but even as they were seeing but even if he doesn't I know that he's still with me I know that he still has a plan for my life I don't know what you're facing today Uh, I don't know what your what your life is necessarily like what you're going through what decisions you have to make here's what I know is that you're not alone and that God is with you This story kind of wraps up like this. I'll ask the the team to come out and join us. But in verse 28, it says this. It says, Nebuchadnezzar said, Praise to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He sent his angel to rescue his servants who trusted in him. They defied the king's demand and were willing to die rather than to serve or worship any God except their own. You know what the king utters? Praise be to God. You know what he was about? He was about praise be to me. That I am the most powerful. But through the actions of these three young men, he sees God more clearly. You know what? I guarantee you those three boys saw God a whole lot more clearly after going into that furnace and being pulled out and being rescued. You know, Owen McManus, who's a pastor in America, says this. He says, fear is an act of faith in the worst possible future. God wants to give you a new and better future. Put your faith in him. Faith, fear is an act of faith in the worst possible future. You know what, when, when, we, when we're faced with fear, we can choose to put our faith in God or our faith in fear. And what we've seen today is that, you know what you know is that fear will try and squash your life. It's gonna wanna make you live the average, ordinary, safe kind of life. But what God wants you to do is put your faith in Him and live the extraordinary life that He wants you to live. And you know, sometimes that's going to look like trouble. Sometimes that's going to look like a furnace. Sometimes that's going to look like uncertainty. But he promises that he will be with you. And even if the outcome doesn't go 
the way you want it to. You're better off with your faith in God than your faith in fear. Because with fear, you're not going to get anywhere anyway. But at least with faith in God, you're going to go where He wants you to go. And I believe that we all set out on this journey of following Christ and, and, and believing in God to, to have Him take our life in the direction that He wants us to. But you know what the stopper of that is going to be? It's going to be fear. Fear is going to cause you to compromise your faith in God. And every time we do that, it just chips away a little bit at our faith. It chips a little bit away at our faith. And you know, something happens like the story we hear of this guy. and he, he's, he's declaring this goodness and he's leading people into these spaces. And then he finds out this about his kid. What's his immediate response? I'm just going to walk away. I can't do it anymore. But he has this pivotal moment of realizing that, no, actually my faith is better off in God. That he is with me. And even if it doesn't go the way I wanted it to, I'm going to follow him anyway. That is the life we are called to live. We're not called to be fearful people. You know, we've just been singing these songs about how great our God is. What a powerful name the name of Jesus is. You know, one of my favorite lines out of that song, and I'm sure we'll sing this in a moment, is that He has no rival or He has no equal. When we put our trust in our fears and we yield to our fears, what we're saying is, Jesus, you do have a rival. It's this thing that I'm facing right now. But actually, the goodness of this song that we declare is that God has no rival. We sing it, we raise our hands to it, we declare it. We profess it with our mouths, and that is so important. I love that Joel even said that before. That we confess these things. That's why songs are so beautiful. But you know what? They need to become a prayer and a truth in our hearts so that tomorrow when you're faced with fear, you will choose faith. That tomorrow when the opportunity to yield to fear comes in, the opportunity to walk away, this is just too hard, that we would look and go, even if he doesn't deliver the outcome that I want, I'm going to follow him anyway. I'm not going to live a life that is fearful. I'm not going to live a life that's full of what ifs, or if I get what I want, or if it goes the way I need it to, then God, I'll put my trust in you. That we put our trust in him no matter what. And you know, I believe that we and others then, like we just see at the end of this story, they get to see, we get to see God just that little bit more clearer each and every time. That we draw a bit closer to Him. We get to walk out our lives the way He destines them to be. But the question is, do we choose faith or we do, do we choose fear? You know, this morning I truly believe that in our heart of hearts, we need to make a decision to go, I am going to choose faith over fear. And tomorrow or Tuesday or Wednesday or whatever day it comes that you're faced with that fear, that you will stop and go, no, I will not yield to this, but I will choose faith. What a powerful thing that does to us in our lives. Why don't we stand? I'd love to pray for us this morning. We're going to sing these words. We're going to declare that Jesus truly has no rival, that there is no equal, that we would choose faith over fear. God, I thank you that you are here in this place that your presence is always with us. And God, I pray this week as we're faced with the fears and the, the, the very real realities of life that want to challenge who you are, that want to challenge our faith in you, that God, we will put that to one side and we would declare that you have no rival, that you have no equal, that there is none greater than Jesus, that even if things don't go my way, even if I don't get the outcome that I want, that my faith would not be destroyed, that my faith would not die, but I would choose to trust you again and again and again. Lord, in this moment, we choose to worship you. We choose to declare and confess your goodness.
May that go from just being a song to a prayer and a declaration of our hearts that we will follow you no matter what. No matter what happens, no matter what the outcome, that you would be with us. Come on, let's declare his goodness in this place.